Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Max Potential Habits. This week, super excited. You all know that I always bring on guests who come to me from the coolest places. And this guest and I just pre-show discovered that through my work with Martini, she said, hey, I was just on a show with him. So she actually was an invited guest expert on a movie that will be coming out called How Thoughts Become Things. And it's really the sequel, sequel to The Secret, which you all know that is my jam. So Dr. Karen Perkins is known as one of the top five change makers and trending top 10 women to watch in 2021. Obviously, she's a powerhouse. She is has written several books. Um, she's a lifelong student of emotional intelligence and human behavior as it relates to business. She has a master's, a doctorate in business administration. She's coached, consulted, and spoken in over 50 countries around the globe and is considered one of the top five change management coaches in America. So her book, Emotional Power, that's, the, ooh, I wanna talk about emotional power, that sounds amazing, dives deep into the link between emotion and logic. So she's a mindset master, sounds like also we can have a fun conversation around manifestation and all things business. So buckle in for today's show. I'm sure you're gonna to wanna to get a pen and paper to hear from Dr. Karen. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to be here, right? And you are one of my heroes. You know, we talked we talked earlier and I just went, oh my gosh. So I I admire your traits and qualities and you have a few that I'm going to aspire to learning more about to incorporate into my life. Thank you. That's a huge compliment coming from you. I appreciate it so much. I'm curious, I didn't ask you before, how long have you been in the coaching consulting industry? Since you were a very small child. <laughs> um, let's see. I have been in the industry for, how old am I? Holy cow, I'm getting old. Um, I have been in the industry for a good 30 years, 35 That's awesome. years. That's so great. Yeah, good, good 35 years. And I've, I've done coaching. And with public speaking on the side, and then I did public speaking with coaching on the side, and then I did coaching, and now I'm kind of just half and half. Uh, so fun. Okay, we're gonna have so many fun things to talk about. And, and it's interesting because it'll be related to conversations we had on your show. But it's, you know, to me, I want to ask, I want to dive deep. First, let's go with what what's a quote that you live by, or just love one of your favorite top go to quotes. I have so many quotes that I love. Um, my two favorite one, and we talked about earlier is from Maya Angelou. And it's, I did what I knew when I knew better, I did better. And that is don't beat yourself up over the past. Just don't do it today and tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, continually get better. But the quote that I'm probably most known by um, is what you believe to be true is true for you. And that goes right back to the mindset. And you know that with the coaching that you do. If I believe it's true, I act accordingly. And it may not be true. You know, if I believe it's true, it's true to me, regardless of the reality of it. Yeah. And so what I you believe that. to be true, what you believe to be true is true for you. So powerful. I mean, 
you know, you're bringing in the power of paradigms and the way that we think and how it shapes our reality, because that's what you track for in your environment. And then you confirm that it's true because it's true to you. And, you know, it's, I love that. That's really, really great. Um, Oh, go for it. Oh, I was going to say, you know, you talk about tracking and, you know, the fact is, and I, sometimes people are like, but if you can count it, Okay, if you, if you can count it, you can fix it, uh, you know, so you first have to decide what it is you want to watch, watch it, and if you can watch it and you can see it, you can now identify what needs to be changed and you can change it. If you don't count it, you don't know how to fix or what to fix or if it even really needs fixed. So powerful. Uh, Let's go here for a second. This is awesome because when I very first started coaching, I started with a blog and it wasn't, it was like, I probably did like four blogs before I shifted to video and started doing a Uh blog and and then turned it into a podcast. But one of my methods was, it was called the LATA method and it's L-A-T-A, which was list action track achieve. And the mm-hmm. reason I came up with that was exactly what you're talking about, because I was at the time I was building my business while I was finishing writing my dissertation. And I noticed that I was so inspired about my business that my dissertation wasn't getting done. <laughs> and so I started tracking the hours per week that I was actually writing my dissertation. And it was only a couple hours a week. And I was like, oh, this is never going to get done if I only am writing my dissertation for two hours a week. And I was so motivated to get out of grad school and be done. And so that I could step into full-time coaching. And so it was a full game changer for me to track the hours that I was actually spending and, and awaken my conscious awareness to that was why I was getting those results. You know, it's like at the end of the day, you don't, you can't write an entire dissertation quickly. And if you're only spending a couple hours a day. Right. Well, and, and as you said, I'm one of the top five um, change managers in the country. And for corporations, they call them OCMs, organizational change managers. And one of the things that is most important, and one of the things I usually am the one that they call in to fix what they fired other five OCMs from not doing, um, if I have to fix their mess. But the first thing I go in and insist upon is that they have what I call a change impact plan. And this is where you write down every little item that needs to change. And then you give it a time frame. When do you think you can start it? When do you think you can finish it? And then we talk about it every week. And I I get fought on that at first with many companies. And they're like, I don't know what the point of this is. And it's like, well, if you don't write it down, you don't know where you are. And the one guy just couldn't get it, couldn't get it and fought me and fought me and fought me. And I finally said, look, if you're having Thanksgiving dinner and you're responsible for cooking it and you have in-laws coming, you've never met. Do you want to know what you're having for dinner? If anyone has allergies, what foods to make around those allergies? If you're cooking a turkey, how long does it need to cook? When do you need to put it in the oven? How do you make gravy? How do you make the items? Do you have all of the food that you need to make those items? Or are you just going to say, I'm doing Thanksgiving dinner and wake up in the morning and expect everything's going to be ready to go? <laughs> and he went, such a good oh. example. And it's like, you know, you've got to write down all the things. 
and then track it. Okay, I got to get the turkey sometime before the day before. Better two days before so that since it's frozen, it has time to thaw. And then I probably ought to know how to thaw the dang thing. Yeah. You know, but people just don't stop and think about that. Yeah. And, you know, I... I, I'm an NLP expert, but it's funny because a lot of mine is based more off of the sciences and the logic behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, because people just, it's like, okay, I want to, I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay. Well, I want to lose a hundred, but that's another issue. <laughs> I want to lose 20 pounds. So I'm going to exercise every day. Okay. And what kind of exercise are you going to do? And how long are you going to do it? And what time are you going to do it? Because if I just say I'm going to exercise every day, when I wake up in the morning, oh, I'll do it later. Yeah. And later I go, oh, tonight. And then tonight, oh, I'm too tired. I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. And after doing that for three, four, five days, it's like, eh, I'm not going to do it. I, you know, why bother? Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, and you See, lose your steam completely for the in, the yeah. initial inspiration to do it in the first place. Yeah. yeah, and and that's not to say beat yourself up because you didn't do it. But if I know, okay, I'm going to wake up. I wake up every day at 4.30 in the morning. I'm going to go ahead and do A, B, and C until about 5.30. And then 5.30, I'm going to walk on the treadmill for however long, let's say an hour. 6.30, great, I'm done with that. I'm going to jump in the shower, get cleaned up, have breakfast, and I'm going to be ready for my day by nine o'clock. You know, so instead, if I don't start at 530 and it's 545, oh, well, as long as I'm still ready close to nine o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, At least you have the framework for the plan, right? But if I've got the framework, it's more likely I'll do it than just sometime today I'll get to it. Yeah. And, and it's not that I think you need to plan out every minute of your day because that'll drive you insane. But you need to have the general outline. If there's specific things you have to do, when is it that you're going to start? And when do you plan on being finished? And if you don't, what prevented you from doing it? And what can we do to fix that? Yeah. And that's that's our life. If you want to earn a million dollars by Friday and it's Friday and you didn't earn a million dollars. Well, what obstacles did you have and what can we do to change those? Now were the obstacles that you didn't have anything to begin with and no plan. Was it that you were at $999,000 and that $1,000 just wouldn't come okay, well, what's my plan? How do I fix that $1,000 so that next week it's, it's different? Yeah. And uh, so, yes. I, lo- I love the quote, the Benjamin Franklin quote, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's like so simple and so true and so wise well, and exactly what you're talking about. And, and I do, uh, you talked earlier about the values. I do a, uh, a sneaky, a sneaky trick um, to get people to force them to identify their true core values. Um, But the fact is, is that I I go over, over and over and over again. If you don't plan your life, life will plan you. Yes. So true. Tell tell us the sneaky tricks. I want to know the sneaky tricks. uh, Everybody have to do it with me, which means they'd have to have a piece of paper. Okay. 
Okay. So, so can you give an insight into just, you know, cause I know values is different for different people in, in my values determination. It's about, it's not about values like integrity or no, honesty. It's, it's what's it's, important to you at this point in your life. And it could yeah. be anything could yeah. be chocolate chip cookies, could be religion, could be golfing. It could be your family. It could be, could be integrity. It could be your career could, I mean, it, it could be, it's varied as the number of people in the world. Yeah. Okay. But most of us think we know what our true core value is. And so we work off of it and then we get to where we're going and we go, it's not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But if we know what our true core value is, now we can plan our life around it and get in alignment and set our goals so that they're congruent with that. Yeah. And get what we want and still be happy in the morning and not go, oh, I thought it would be so much more. Yeah. And so anyway, yes, I I can you and I can do that, but it, it'll take about five minutes. So, yeah. I, I, well, well, do you are you? Well, it's interesting because like I have a lot of people that will come to work with me for that reason, you know, like, oh, I want to discover what's really meaningful and purposeful to me. And mm-hmm. what's my driving force? And, you know, I talk about it as zone of genius and stepping into your ultimate power. And it sounds like you yeah. and I have a very similar way yeah. of working with people to do that. Um, well, I want to know why is that important? You know, why is it important to orient your life through your true core values? Because what happens is we go off of what others have told us that we should do or what we thought we wanted to be when we were 20 and now we're 57. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, what was important when I was 20 is not important today. Um, Or we have life changes and we, we do things because we societally think we should or because it's the decision we made when we were younger. And for instance, and I see this all the time, and I have a client, we'll call him Bob, that's not his name, but it's just a, you know, calling Bob. Bob was a a top executive in a major corporation, a a Fortune 500 company. And Bob wanted to, to provide for his family. His family was very important to him. And to him, that meant they had the best of everything. So he worked and worked and worked and, you know, was not uncommon to work 80 to 100 hours a week. And his family had the best of everything. They had multiple homes and multiple places. They could go wherever they wanted. The kids all went to private school and there were yachts and Ferraris and whatnot. And he just he he just worked all the time so that he could provide for his family. And he felt successful because he was successful with his career. He felt successful because his family had everything and came home one day and there was no family because all his family wanted was to spend time with him and he didn't spend any time with them. And he just realized, wow, I didn't really plan my life around my family. I planned my life around money Mm -hmm. and you know, now that I understand that my core value is family, how do I plan around that while incorporating bringing in money? Mm-hmm. Well, long story short, he did remarry and did have a second family. And he takes off every Wednesday at noon so that he can go to the kids' soccer games and things. Friday, he leaves his phone in the office 
his office phone. Nobody has his private number, but his assistant. And she knows to only call it if it's 1,000% in emergency. And then he may or may not answer because if he's the only one that can fix it, then the company's got a problem, you know. And um, he he goes home early on Friday and he's a home all weekend. Yeah. He comes into work Monday morning and, you know, he leaves at a normal hour every day other than Wednesdays and he leaves early and he puts in 40, sometimes 50 hours a week, which is not uncommon. And he puts in 40, 50 hours a week, but no longer the 80 to a hundred. Yeah. And he so prioritizes. he has time with his kids, but what he found, the funny thing was, is because his life was prioritized and in order, he actually got promotions and is making more money. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, but he had to plan his life around that yeah. instead of around the money. And he didn't realize he was even planning it around the money. Yeah. And, you know, once you can stop and say, okay. And so we worked together on that. And it's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She walked out. Can we, can we fix that? Can we get her back? And it was, the damage was too much. She wasn't coming back. And uh, so it's like, okay, let's figure out what your true core values are. And what we can do to align you with those and still accomplish some of the other things you want to accomplish. Yeah. And it's like you said earlier, it's a path. It's a journey. It's not an overnight thing. And he had a path and a journey. It wasn't overnight, but he he's more successful today than he was before. And he has his family, which was his really number one true core value was his family. Yeah, this is there's so much gold in what you just said, because, you know, you're bringing up the power of clarity. You know, are you clear about where your core values are? Are you aligned with them? Are you seeking building something that you're going to build? And then when you get there, realize this isn't really what I wanted to build because it wasn't in alignment. And, you know, it's like and that that's whatever success means to everyone listening or watching. It's, you know, it's going to be different based on your core values. And yeah. it's going to be different based on your history and your, you know, where you want to go and your age, even it's going to be based on, you know, well, so it, if you're 20, you're going to have different value system than when you're 30, 40, 50. So I've right. noticed that the older we get, the more, the more the, the values shift less because you're, you're more aligned and you're more, yeah, clear. you're more aligned and you've made, you've made your mistakes along the way and realized, yeah. Oh, that's not a value. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, my, my, um, I have a home study course and what I speak about, and I have coaching that's involved with it too. One of my coaching, the group coaching is living first class. And people are like, oh, you're making everybody make money. And it's like, yeah, I do. However, living first class is not all about sitting in the front of the airplane. Yeah, It's not all about money. First class to me is different than first class is to somebody else. For me, first class is being fit financially, spiritually, emotionally, and physically so that I can be of service to the world. Yeah. And, you know, what does fit mean? Well, for me, I know what it means exactly. Some people, they're, they're living first class is being able to sit on a beach and relax and and be with their significant other Mm -hmm. um some it's having time to sit in a corner in a nice cushy chair in front of a fireplace and read Mm -hmm. um some it's to be number one on the ring in the company uh you know it's something different for everybody and it's not right or wrong it's what's right for you yes 
and we're all different and what's right for me pretty much won't be what's right for you. What's right for you won't be what's right for Bob and what's right for Bob may not be right for Susan. And yeah, yeah. I I, want to say hallelujah, sister, (laughs) right? Like it's, it's wild. You know, we were on your show, we were talking about negative self-comparison. And I think that's where people get really stuck in shooting themselves about what Mm -hmm. they want. And, and it takes some time to to drop the layers of other people's BS of what they've told you, you should be of what cultures told you, you should be of what society, your parents, even partners, you know, like we get a lot of downloads about who we should be and what we should want instead of just dropping into like, what do I really want? And it's that piece of, of tapping into core values and having someone help you do that if you don't know how, but it's just, you know, for me, I always look at it when we're in alignment, we know because we wake up in the morning and we're like, yes, 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 yes. My life feels good. My relationships feel good. My money feels good. My impact that I'm making in the world feels good. My business is flowing. Like that's where we know that we're really, we've really aligned with our our core values. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And and I I say it over and over and over again. If you are going to compare yourself to someone else, compare yourself to the entire picture. Yes. The entire picture. Um, And and we talked about Miss America and stuff, but I I, another story. You guys are like, no, we didn't. Yeah, we did (laughs) on another show. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) When when I was young and my children were young, um, you know, I I had three kids in two and a half years. No, it was not on purpose. I would like to have planned a child, Uh, (laughs) but I love them dearly. But when I was young, we were in this uh, community and the church I went to, the kids would sit there um, during the, the main meeting and my kids were great kids until we got to church and then they were monsters. They wouldn't sit still. I, I mean, I was just, shh, shh, hold still, shh, you know, and uh, there was this gal, oh, she, and I was short and I've been thin many, many times, and I've been real chubby, chubby many times, and I was chubby, chubby, chubby then, and um, there was this gal, oh, Linda, she was tall, perfect skin, slender, she wore the most phenomenal clothes her kids sat still with their arms folded and just didn't make a peep they were so reverent and so sweet and she drove a Cadillac and we were like you know in an old beater car and I mean she just had it all together and I would think I am so jealous of her I wish I were just like her oh I'm so jealous I'm so jealous and one day I just kept getting this overwhelming feeling that I needed to call her and see how she was doing and it's like, I was an acquaintance, but not a friend. So it was kind of odd, but I thought, okay, you know, you get prompted, you do it. So I called her and I says, Hey, Linda, it's Karen. I've just been thinking a lot about you and just wanted to make sure everything's okay. And she started to cry. And she said, nobody in this church ever asked me if I'm okay. And she says, I'm not. Her Cadillac is on its last leg. She has to have a nice car because she is a pharmaceutical representative. And they insist that she have a nice car and dress the part while she goes and sells the pharmaceuticals to the doctors and the hospitals. And, and her car had broken down again that day. 
She didn't have enough money to fix it, didn't know what she was going to do. Her mother lived with them, who was dying painfully of a cancer that was not a quick killer. They had to roll her over, turn her over in her bed every couple of hours to keep her from getting bed sores. And they had to hand feed her and change out tubes and all kinds of things. Her kids behaved because they'd both gotten, uh, I don't remember which one it is, but the hepatitis that if you're too active, you die. And I mean, and the story went on and on. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, I'll take my life. <laughs> uh, you know, please, please give me my life and not hers. Yeah, yeah. And I realized all of a sudden, none of us really know the whole picture and here yeah. I was comparing myself to her perfect kids and her perfect appearance and her perfect life and and in reality she was comparing to me saying oh what I would give to have my kids be able to run jump and play what right. I would She's give sitting there comparing her life to yours yeah. yeah yeah and I just thought you know how unfortunate and other people had had done the same thing and so they thought well her life's perfect so why you know I yeah. I feel less than, so I'm going to just kind of avoid her. Yeah. And yet she was a beautiful, warm, kind person inside and out. Yeah. And they didn't have the money because her husband had to stay home to take care of her mom. So she was the only one working and she couldn't work because her car was broken down. She couldn't fix the car. And so, you know, don't compare yourself because you only see the outside. You don't compare yourself to the Facebook person because uh, usually... And those that do are usually don't want to know, but usually we don't hang our dirty laundry on Facebook. Yeah. Usually we don't, you know, show our massive mistakes on Facebook. Yeah. And, um, and yet there's a lot of comparisons that we do and say, wow, look at this, look at that. Yeah. I know I get compared to all the time because I travel the world. Yeah. Well, yes, I do. But I, usually do it on a company's dime because they want me to come in and coach and consult with them there wherever they are yeah and so you know what yeah and when well, you fly it, as mean, much as I do I sit in first class because I get upgraded yeah yeah I mean I, Karen this is so important for Pete to point out for people because I had I mean the reason that I noticed the pattern of negative self-comparison across all of the people I know and think of it as kind of one of the the equalizing forces of people's the way people's minds work and how we tend to do that and it's the death of joy you know we just go well, remember exactly what you're saying. You are only seeing one side and you're, you're not seeing the full picture. And I used to really do this pretty much with everyone. I just held everyone else on a pedestal and thought like, they're amazing. Their life is great. You know, they're not on food stamps. They, they, they've got the money thing figured out. They've got the relationship thing figured out on and on and on and on. Right. And then when you, when I really leaned in to get to know people and especially through coaching and then me being in workshops with other people as a student of coaches, I, that was the thing I recognized that stood out to me the most powerfully was everybody's suffering and struggling and has challenges in their own unique way. (laughs) It just might look a little different than mine. And it, and I had the same revelation where it was just, I, I'm so, I'm so glad I'm me. And it may not be obvious. No, 
usually it's not yeah most people hide their you know we put on a lot of masks and performances and we don't really want to air our dirty laundry I think one of the gifts that as coaches we bring to the table at least for me I'm really transparent about my struggles you know I'm like yeah I had an affair most people would not yell that loud and proud to the world (laughs) you know it's like and it was scary for me at first you know I had a lot of shame about it and and it was scary to share but the more that I shared my places and stuck points, the more it allowed people to go like, oh, not the only one who struggles. She's human. Well, and you know, and it's also important that we understand, again, what's important to me is not necessarily what's important to you. And that was one of those blinding flash of the obvious, uh, gosh, many years ago. Um, It was at a Smith's Marketplace, which is like a super Walmart. Mm-hmm. and the there was this gal I saw all the time in their clothing department and just the sweetest gal real nice well the manager um moved to another store so the management or supervisor position was open for the clothing department and I looked at her and I says oh how exciting so are you going to be the new supervisor and I mean of course everybody would want to be why wouldn't you want to be the new supervisor is what I'm thinking it never occurred to me you wouldn't it was like oh yeah here's your chance to be a supervisor and she just gasped and she said why on earth would I want to do that (laughs) I don't want to be responsible for everyone else and I thought what what it never occurred to me you wouldn't apply for the next position yeah because that's who I was and how I was brought up and my thought process. And it it was one of those blinding flashes of the obvious. And then I thought, isn't it awesome? We have her. Yeah. Because if we didn't have her who was thrilled in being in the position she was, everybody would be wanting to be the supervisor and then it would be nothing but one big bitter department because you're it and I'm not competing against each other. And, uh, but it was just, it was humorous because yeah. it, I, I, I was probably in my late thirties when that happened. And it was like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, it, I love this. I mean, I want to tie it back to your initial quote that you're known for of what you believe is true is true for you. Right. It's like, you believed it to be true that everyone would want to advance and take on more responsibility and it wasn't true for her. So it's just yep. that different, you know, different core values. Will you share, this is a great spot to share with listeners. I mean, you have a lot of business experience and I would love for you to give listeners practical, actionable strategies and tips about how your mindset shapes your reality. You know, as I, as we talked about, you were, you were a guest for the, how thoughts become things. I'm curious what you would be willing to share there in terms of how, what you've learned over your 30 years plus of, of coaching and consulting in that area. The first thing people need to understand is that your thoughts control everything in your life. Your thoughts can actually change your genetic makeup. Literally, scientifically proven, it can change your genetic makeup. It changes your neuropeptides. It changes your neuro, I mean, everything. It, It changes all of your cells. And if you're putting in negative thoughts and negative energy your cells, it attaches to your cells. And so any positive cell you have, you mix in that negative, it's going to start to overpower the positive and the cells divide and they all do. And when they divide, 
you've got all of this negativity now running rampant through your body. Now, the good thing is, is we slough off ourselves every, I don't remember what, 20 days. And, and so you're okay because you're going to slough them off. Just start putting in the positive thoughts, but it's going to take you 20 days or more to get those positive thoughts to change your, your biological makeup. Um, but your thoughts really do make a huge, huge difference. And um, my book, Emotional Power, as you were saying, it's the logic behind emotion and the emotion behind logic. And logically, what I tell people is, if you don't feel good right now, ask yourself, what am I thinking? What was I doing? And ask yourself, do I like feeling this way? If the answer is no, then you have to say, I need to find something else to think and something else to do. And I call them mental shifts. And a mental shift is sometimes easy and sometimes hard. Sometimes they just happen. Um, I, I'm driving down the freeway one day and this has been, oh gosh, oh gosh, 35 years ago easily. I'm driving down the freeway and I, you know, I'm always, just panicked because I hate being late. I like to be early and all the morons on the freeway, you know, and I'm driving and I have to change lanes and I look over my shoulder. I look in the rear mirror. I mean, and I go and change lanes. And of course, what happens? Somebody's there and they honk and they wave with just one finger. And I am horrified. <laughs> I am so embarrassed. I hurry and get back in my own lane and I'm waving with all four fingers and thumb going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was so embarrassed. Because it just was not my, I just didn't see him. I looked and, uh, you know, so I was embarrassed. And if it hadn't happened as quickly as it did, I'm not sure I would have even thought to have that mental shift, but it couldn't have been, oh, I don't know, 30 seconds at the most later, some moron cut me off and I'm going, idiot, moron, who taught you how to drive? <gasps> I'll bet they're as embarrassed as I just was. And so all of a sudden, when people started to pull in front of me, instead of letting my mind go to idiot moron, my first thought was, how embarrassing. How embarrassing. And funny thing was, is that it impacted the way I drove. I wasn't a paranoid driver. I wasn't waiting for some moron to cut me off. But I was more conscientious. I was more alert to what was going on around me. I stopped having as many near misses. Um, I saw somebody come up. I slowed down, let them in. You know, they're never more than three cars ahead of you on the off ramp anyway. Come on. Yeah, yeah. And, and those guys that go like, you know, 50 miles over the speed limit, they don't get there before you because the cop pulls them over. So, I, mean, you know, but I had a mental mind shift. I was now calm when I got to work. I was, I had no issues. Yeah. And so what I tell people is if you're feeling great, stop and say, what am I thinking? What am I doing? And if I like it, keep doing it. Yeah. And, you know, if I don't like it, then say, how do I shift this thought? And sometimes you just have to reframe it just yeah. a little bit. And an example is, um, and you'll catch it, I'm sure, as soon as I say it. I, um, I got really sick and I got a, a disease called enterococcus, a bacteria, world's deadliest bacteria. And I ended up being on a pick line for four months with a 27% chance of living. Wow. 27% chance of living. Now, how might I have said that negatively? Yeah. A 73% chance of dying. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but because I knew I had a 27% chance of living, hey, that's 26 more percent that I need. Yeah. And, and I was fine. And, you know, I, the whole nother story and how I found out about that, but the doctor's like, I, I'm not worried about it. It's not a big deal with you because it's not that I, you know, have an unrealistic, I just, one, I'm not afraid of dying, never have been. I don't have a death wish, but I'm just not afraid of it. Yeah. And two, I look at things differently. Had yeah. I looked at, I have a 73% chance of dying those thoughts would have changed my cellular makeup and would not have been able to fight off the bacteria like it did. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, yeah, I was getting sick for four months and, but a 27% chance of living and just reframing it that way made all the difference in the world. So when I, I tell people, if you're going to do one thing, Pay attention to your thoughts. People say, I cannot control my emotions. And I say, you're right, but you can control your thoughts. Therefore, you can't control and change your emotions. Yeah. And all emotions are good if you use them for good. Anger is a good thing if you use it as a tool and not a weapon. Yeah. It's a tool. Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, they were angry. Um, Walsh, man, he gets angry every week. You know, good and angry, but they use the anger to propel the society and themselves forward to do good. Yeah. It's bad when you use it to harm yourself or other people. So look at what you're feeling. And, and that's the big tell. And if you were to say, you know, what am I feeling right now? There are a minimum of 10 emotions everybody's feeling at any given moment. A minimum of 10 emotions. And some jump out at you more than others. And again, If you're feeling anxiety, you're feeling stress, whatnot, well, what am I thinking? Well, I'm thinking I am never going to find another job. Well, if you think that, what happens? It comes across in your voice when you're interviewing. It comes across in procrastination because you know it's not going to happen anyway, so why waste my time? I don't want to be rejected. It changes the way you do things. Now, if I say, you know what, right now I don't have a job and it's been dang hard to get one, but I know I will have one. Now I go in and I say, okay, this is a practice interview. I'm practicing until I get that right interview. And I, I, everybody, I, I, this is something I encourage all young people and older people to do. Practice interviewing. <laughs> It's seriously, almost every position I got in corporate America and in the government was from a practice interview for a job I was not qualified for. And in some cases, I didn't even want. But I would I would go and interview with companies and for positions I was unqualified for just to hone my communication skills and to hone my interviewing skills. And more times than not, they offered me the job knowing full well that I was not qualified. Well, how do you get qualified? You do it. And so, you know, tip, practice interviewing. Well, practice communicating. Practice, I mean, all of those things, but write it down. If you can can track it, you can count it. If you can count it, you can fix it. Change your thoughts. And how do you, don't walk around all day long going, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? Because that will just drive you nuts. But just say, wow, right now I feel so good. Well, what was I thinking? What was I doing? I want to do more of that. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I feel so defeated. 
okay, well, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Let's change that behavior. Just one thing and only work on one thing at a time. Yeah. One uh, thing you work on one thing only, only one. And you work on it until you feel good about it. And when you feel good about it, yay. And then you pick one more thing. Because what we tend to do is bring in 10 things or more. And we try to do all of them and we get overwhelmed and we give up. If I do one thing, I can master that one thing quickly. And if I do 10, I don't master any. But if I do one quickly and then another quickly and then another and then another, then another, then another, pretty soon I've got all 10 mastered. And, and it comes from doing one thing at a time, changing your thought process and knowing that you don't have to be perfect at everything. Find the things that you excel at and work really hard to excel at them and then look for places to use those talents and skills. So, you know, stop and ask yourself again, and I've said it eight times now, what am I feeling? Do I like it or not? What did I think? Your thoughts flow through your amygdala, little, little bitty pin sides thing right here in your brain. Your thoughts honestly flow through your amygdala. The amygdala assigns it is emotion and physical reaction. And that's how you behave. But keep in mind, too, that opposite emotions have the same physical reaction. So there is another chance for a mind shift. I mean, if you're really nervous and scared about something your throat gets tight and your heart starts to pound and you get knots in your stomach and your hands get sweaty what happens when you're really excited about something your throat gets a little tight and you're like your heart palpitates your tummy gets butterflies your parts exact same physical reaction you're just looking at them differently so when you feel that overwhelming anxiety and fear ask yourself is it anxiety and fear or is it that I'm excited to try something new? And in my last piece of advice, fear always is false evidence appearing real. Fear is healthy because it gives us, it keeps us safe to a point. But it's either a fact or it's fiction. It cannot be both. And if you're afraid of something, Find out if it's true or not. If it's true, avoid it or change it or learn more about it so that you can overcome that fear. Um, fear of spiders. And I talk about that and how thoughts become things. I was deathly afraid of spiders and I was the director. You like this. No room on my name for the business card. Director of Utah State Parks and Recreations Reservation Call Center. Wow. But that meant I had to go camping a lot. Now, I enjoy camping, but I also know that meant a lot of spiders. And I would rather be thrown in a pit of cobra snakes than a pit of daddy long legs because I'd rather die of venom than fear. And I realized this just was not going to work. And so I started to study about spiders. And I now have a healthy respect for them. And quite honestly, they are the world's most fascinating architects there are. I mean, you look at their webs, they're absolutely stunning and gorgeous. And I, I got a healthy respect for, fighter, for spiders. I found out which ones were poisonous, where they most likely lived, how they usually attack, why they attack, how I could kill them. Yes, I kill spiders, all of you people who say don't do that. 
If they're in my home, I will kill them. If they're outside, I will walk around them unless they're attacking me. <laughs> but um, I know which one. I know that a hobo spider can kill you, and I know what part of the state they are in, and I know where they like to hide. So I can avoid that. But I know all the other spiders, for the most part, 99% of them are just nothing but a bug. And so that overwhelming fear of spiders went away. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. now I know the facts about them. Yeah. And so there was no need for a fear because it's either fact or fiction. In my mind, it was all, it was fiction with some facts. Yes, I should be afraid of hobo spiders. Yeah. Point blank. I should be afraid of them. Yeah. Um, but if I also understand how to deal with the situation, then now I have a game plan. So fear is false evidence appearing real. Study it. Find the facts. Why am I afraid of this? And, and you had said something earlier, and I know I just have talked without stopping, but I want to say one more thing, and then I'll pause. <gasps> uh, many years ago, there was a study done, and I don't know that it's still the, the case today, but at that point, the study showed that the number one fear in the country at that time truly was the fear of success. <laughs> and why were people afraid of success? Because my friends may not like me anymore. Um, people may mock me or challenge me or think that I think I'm hotty toddy. You know, they'll think differently of me. Um, people might take advantage of me. Uh, I'm going to lose my community. I, I, you know, there's all these things and they're so comfortable with their relationships and society that we're afraid of succeeding. And so we allow ourselves to be one of the crabs in the bucket and you know the crabs in the bucket story. The crabs will keep pulling you in. And we just don't even bother trying to crawl out anymore because we're comfortable being with our, our other crabs. And those fears, in some cases, are facts. But if you have friends that would not be your friend anymore because you made money, they're not your friend to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh uh, okay. You, whoever is listening and watching, go back 15 minutes and play that again. <laughs> that way you just dropped a lot of gems of wisdom. I mean, one thing that's standing out to me and what you said, uh, you know, about looking back at feelings, thoughts, and what you're doing is awareness, right? So it's that, that baseline awareness of recognizing that you feel off and you're not feeling the way you want to yeah. feel so that then you can go back and go, what was I thinking to cause this feeling and this result that I'm getting in my life? It's, it's the system I teach people. It's, you know, exactly in alignment. Exact going, same thing. Your, your feelings are your feedback system. So don't yeah. try to avoid your feelings, actually use them as a tool to show you what, where you need to go. Well, and, and I tell you, feelings are a benefit when you, and I call it the, uh, ref, Rapu, rapu. Um, first, you got to recognize, hey, I'm having an emotion, and then you got to acknowledge what emotion it is, and then you have to feel it fully. Yeah. If you need to sit and wail and scream and cry, do it. If you need to dance the happy dance, do it. But feel it and feel it fully. Don't get trapped in it though. Yeah. You got to feel it fully. Once you felt it fully, now you can process it. And once you've processed it, now you can either use it or diffuse it. You can that. use it to your benefit or you can say, you know what? It really isn't something that is beneficial for me. So you got to recognize, acknowledge, feel, and then, you know, put it, 
process it and then user diffuse. So great. Very useful tool. Oh, very, really good. I love that. I, I, uh, it's bringing up this thought about how we tend to avoid our feelings. We don't want to feel bad. You know, we live by the pleasure, pleasure pain principle and we avoid pain at all costs, but then the avoidance of it actually causes it to grow. And then something else bigger will happen until you really have, you know, it's like the people I think of when they have that, the, the, the explosion moment, you know, where it's like, yep. oh, they just can't take it anymore because they've been avoiding, 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 avoiding. And I think most people think that when you lean into your feelings and acknowledge it and let yourself feel it, that you're actually going to it might overwhelm you and it might overtake you and you can't, you know, you'll never get past it, but it actually processes through so much faster. Well, it's, it's like not dealing with the stages of grief. If yeah. I ignore it and pretend I'm not grieving one day, I'm going to explode yeah. and it's going to be a whole lot worse than if I spent a week just grieving Yeah. and, or an hour or whatever. Yes. And all changes go through the stages of grief. Yeah. All changes because you're giving up something you knew yeah. and doing something different. And when that happens, you go through the stages of grief. You've had a loss. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, you got to feel it fully. And there are many studies and, and even Dr. Bradley Nelson with the emotion code, they talk about stuffing your emotions. You literally stuff them in specific parts of your body and um, it decays that part of your body. And that's part of your thoughts. It, it just gets trapped. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta let it out. Yeah. Oh, so much gold here. I could talk to you for a long time. Let's, let's go with what are your top three max potential habits that you believe got you where you are today? Daily affirmations. Um, I, I write down, um, I listen to my daily affirmations, which by the way, I'll give people a copy of that, um, an audio of them. Okay. Um, and it's, it's truly daily affirmations and it's keeping a gratitude journal. And it's if I write down 10 things every day I'm grateful for, then when those horrible things happen that you aren't grateful for, your mind is open to finding solutions and finding the gratitude in what could happen or what other things so we don't get focused on just the bad because nothing in life is 100%, including failure. Um, so it's my daily affirmations, it's my gratitude journal, and honestly, it's tracking. It, it's tracking. And Love the it. big thing I track is I track, I track my emotions and thoughts. And uh, it's, I can always tell when I'm allowing myself to sit into that negative thought space, and we all get there. And some days you're entitled to it by darn you just want it and you need it, so have it, you know do it. Just don't get trapped there. Yeah. Um, but I find that when I'm, I'm, I give in to the negative thoughts or to the fear of negative possibilities, I stop looking at the hope of positive ones that my life spirals in a direction I don't want to spiral. But when I say there is hope, my mom's quote, she's got a couple that are awesome, but my favorite is she says, if it's not all right, or no, it'll all be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. So, oh, wow. so that a good you one. know, I will say, leave with saying, it will all be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. 
Love it. High fives. Um, will you, everyone is definitely going to want to read your book, Emotional Power. I know you have several. So where is the best place to find you, your books, um, ways uh, well, to work with you? We, we just took it off of Amazon. We will be putting it back on, uh, but we're doing an updated edition and changing publishers. Okay. Um, but they can go to my website and get all my stuff there. It's Dr. Karen Perkins. I know that's real hard. Dr. Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Perkins, P-E-R-K-I-N-S, all one word, drkarenperkins.com. And if they do drkarenperkins.com slash affirm, A-F-F-I-R-M, um, they'll get a free copy of my daily affirmations. So uh, we'll, you know, want to get that taken care of. And also just for fun, for communications, I have a, a quiz that you don't have to put your name down or for anything on my front page of my website that is a fun quiz. Two questions will tell you your personality type completely and give you some hints about it. Sure, fun. I love quizzes. Awesome. Okay, great resources. And of course, those links will all be in the show notes, as you all know. Uh, it's been really wonderful to have you on. I I <laughs> it's interesting sometimes when I know less about a guest, I just know like, oh, I know you're going to be a great guest, but then I, I get to dive in with you real time and learn more about you. And I don't always know the twists and turns of where conversations are going to take us, but you, I, I love the way that you storytell and that you're bringing your years of wisdom of what you've done to the table and really sharing, you know, I, I mean, obviously you and I are on the same page in terms of thoughts becoming things and just really that's our life's work, it sounds like. So yeah. I thank you for the alignment and sharing your wisdom with the Max Potential, Max Potential Habits community. And just, yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for letting me be on your show. You are amazing. And uh, everybody in your audience is very, very blessed and lucky to have you sharing your wisdom with them every week. Thank you. Well, let's, you and I will stay in touch for sure. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for being here for another week. I know we jammed out for quite a while. I think we almost went an hour. So thanks for staying tuned. I know that, that there was a lot of wisdom in that. So make sure you rewind, write down notes. Remember to be aware. Consider your feelings, your thoughts, what you're doing. Uh, look at your fears. Ta tap into your emotions and really use them as a guide and know that your thoughts become things and that you have the power to change your reality based on that awareness and the tips and tools that Dr. Karen provided for you. And don't forget to go get her uh, affirm affirmations that are free to you. Take her quiz, go to her website. Thank you, thank you, thank you again all for being here. I hope you have a max potential week where you thrive and feel alive. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Max Potential Habits Podcast. If you're liking what you've heard, it would be so incredibly awesome if you would subscribe to the channel and leave a five-star rating and a written review. This helps me help more people while we grow our NFA community so we can rock it out together. For Max Potential Habits resources, go to nfacoaching.com where you can access all of my resources. There's free ebooks, PDF checklists, a journal template, a business mindset meditation kit, and so much more. Plus, links to NFA Coaching on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you're super serious about up leveling, there's also a link to schedule a free consult 
to work with me in group or one-on-one -on -one coaching. Until next time, I hope you have a Max Potential Habits Day where you get inspired to do whatever it takes to transform into the most empowered version of yourself so you can lead a rich, thriving, kick-ass life and business.